Having a plan is a wonderful thing. I like having a plan. You know, we're on our way to Louisville, Kentucky uh, for spring break. Why we picked Louisville, I don't really know. I guess it was because we were already going to be, we were, we were Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We were in um, O'Fallon, Illinois for Section 4 Youth Week there with Brother Adam Heil and Pastor Romine there. I grew up with Pastor Romine. And so, and then Brother Kelly called us to be here tonight. And so we're going a little bit further east. And so I looked on the map and I'm like, well, where can we go for spring break? We picked Louisville. We're going to go to the Slugger Museum, all these different things. And so I like having that plan, like knowing what's going on and we're working our way and all the great information from your church secretary, knowing the, the, that brand new awesome Holiday Inn Express. And, and I checked it out, made sure if it had a pool or not, so I'd know if we needed to pack the kids' swim stuff. We grabbed a quick swim before church tonight. And so that plan is amazing. I've already checked into my hotel for tomorrow night because I've got the Marriott app, and we're, ha- we're staying at a Spring Hill Suites by the airport. So I'm ready. I mean, it's like nothing better mess up my plan, right? One of the things that disturbs me the most is when I get overwhelmed and I don't have everything planned out like I want. And that's happened at the office, uh, at headquarters sometimes. I'll, I'll be like, I'm going to work on these things today. And one person walks by and says, hey, we need to work on this project. And there's the day. <laughs> and that's just overwhelming. I don't know, it, it, you know, I, I'm not trying to get you all to be organized tonight. This is not an organizational seminar. Can somebody say hallelujah? You college students who are like, please don't talk to me about being organized. Don't look at my checkbook either. It reminds me of a famous quote uh, that you've probably heard before. If you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. And many times when you were teenagers, your life was somewhat and basically planned out for you, right? Uh, But you've grown past that. Your parents would generally decide what was for dinner, where you would go to school based on where you lived, um, what the plans for the weekend, like Noah, Elijah, and Micah, they don't have much say uh, what's going on. We, we've, we've made the plans and which road we're going to take to get there. There was about three ways I could have driven from O'Fallon to here. They had no say in it. I did because I was looking at the map and I was in charge. But um, I'm sure you can think back to many weekends as, as a kid, as a young person, when, when you had one set of plans, like chilling all weekend, but dad said it was time to rake the leaves or mow the lawn, or mom needed help with the laundry, or the dishes, or whatever. And you probably said, I can't wait until I'm grown up, and I can make my own plans, and I can make my own decisions. When I move out, when I've got my own place, and guess what? I believe in, and I think that probably most of you are at that spot right now, where you can make your own. You'll say, I'll buy the name brand cereal if I want to. I don't need Aldi. I don't know if you have Aldi here in Salem. I don't need the Aldi brand, but I'm getting Lucky Charms. I'm getting the real Frosted Flakes. Hallelujah. I'm getting the real Honey Nut Cheerios, right? I'll get that expensive hairspray whenever I want. I don't need to use White Rain or Suave. I'm going for Paul Mitchell, right? I'm going for the real stuff. I'll I'll order an appetizer and a dessert if I want to. Mom and Dad can't tell me no. I'll take the highway instead of the back roads, the scenic routes, the scenic route that dad always wanted to take. I'm going to take the highway because I want to get there faster. And then you woke up broke, lost, and on the wrong roads, right? And there are certainly some great benefits from gaining your independence from parents as you have now grown older. 
and you realize that uh, you have more influence over the plans of your life and the liberty and the pursuit of your happiness. Society has now labeled you as responsible for your actions, able to sign contracts, liability release forms, and eligible for service to your country when you turn that ripe old age of 18. Now, while you are embracing this newfound freedom and um, most likely still thinking of the things that are in your heart and mind that you couldn't wait to do when you got out of teenage age, and then you begin thinking, wait a minute, am I on the right path? Have I made the right decision? No doubt you've had these discussions with yourself and with others. You've said, what am I going to do with my life? Um, mentors are asking you, what is, your, what is your plans? Where are you going? What are you going to do when you grow up? What's your purpose? What's your plan? What's your will for your life? And so I would like to talk to, uh, tonight, the, the thing that kept coming back to my mind every time I was praying and thinking about tonight's service and setting, it, it, I kept coming back to this thought that I've shared a few times before, and that is this, that big, ginormous, huge, as President Trump would say, monstrosity of a mystery that is known as the will of God for your life. And I believe that I've not met any of you except Jared and Justin. Great name, my friend. Jared and Justin, and of course, Brother Kevin, Sister Miranda, and Brother Gene. But I believe that I know what is the will of God for all of us in this room tonight. I can tell you, I could pull you up here one by one and um, set you down in this chair. And um, I'm not Lee Stone King, but I could talk to you about what your will the will of God is. I, in fact, I feel like I've known for quite some time. It doesn't really matter what your background is. Some of you are looking at me like, what is he about to do? What school you've gone to, what your home has been like, but I know something that you don't. And I feel strongly about this that I feel like I need to tell a few of you tonight that will listen what God's will is for your life. And so, Justin, would you come up here? So what I'm about to tell you is, you can have a seat, putting you on the spot. What I'm about to tell you is, will help you with planning your life. It's going to help you with the purpose of your life, and it is going to help you with the right people in your life. Are you ready? Okay. Justin, the will of God for your life is this, is that you love God and that you love others. That's the will of God for your life. That's the will of God for your life and your life and your life, for Elijah's life, Brother Gene's life, for my life. You can be seated. Thank you, Justin. So I wonder if you'd put yourself in that seat tonight and that you would realize that it is God's will for you to love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, as the scripture tells us, and for us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, you might think, we got this guy to drive all the way over for St. Louis just to tell us to love God and to love others. But can I tell you how many young people and how many hyphen you beat your head against the wall and you're frustrated thinking, God, where and how and what am I supposed to be doing? And some of us aren't even loving God first. And some of us aren't even loving people. We're hateful and we don't even love people. You can't find God's will if you're not loving him first. I found all of this 
not in some mystery, not in, not in some fortune, not in some vision. But I found all this in Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, he's talking, they're talking to Jesus, obviously, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. God's will for all of our lives is that we love him and we love others. Because I believe when you are loving God, you will find his plan for your life. You will find it when you're on your face in prayer. When you're at a service like this tonight and you're lifting your hands, you will draw closer to him and his plan will be revealed to you. I believe that when you are loving others and you are caring and giving of your time and your resource, you will find his plan for your life. You will find his will. Your first priority, our first priority in life is to have a relationship with God. And we teach this from a very young age, but it's good to remind us even at this age as well that we must have a proper connection with God that impacts the rest of our life. It is a part of God's plan for us to be in relationship with Him. That's why He started this whole thing. He was tired of being by Himself. He wanted His creation to sing praises to Him. And when it got all confused, when, when everybody got it all out of order, He had to get in flesh and come back here and set it all straight again so that He could be in our hearts, causing us to want to worship Him. Adam and Eve were meant to spend that time with God. And the enemy... The deception of the enemy got them all off track. And can I tell you, the deception and the distractions of this world and of life is what the enemy is doing to try and get everybody from the youngest to the oldest. He is still trying to get us off track from our creator. Because if he knows, the enemy knows that if we love God and find our purpose is to love him and love others, that we will turn this world upside down. That you'll be filling this place and you'll be reaching Salem and beyond and around this world with your giving and with your prayers. If you ever tune in to the fact that I love him first and then I love others more than I love myself. Mark chapter 12, verse 30, records a similar question from the scribes and an answer from Jesus. And he he, he gives even more information. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. That word commandment is a strong word. Immediately your mind probably goes to the Ten Commandments. And I believe that if God has established something as a commandment, that's something we really ought to pay attention to. In Exodus chapter 20, those commandments were given to his people, and they were this, no other gods before me, no graven images, don't use his name in vain, remember the Sabbath day, honor your father and mother, do not kill, don't commit adultery, don't steal, no false witness or lying, do not covet your neighbor's things. And these, you've probably heard a preacher or read it in a book somewhere. I'm not sure where I picked this up, but I heard somebody say this before, is that you can separate those Ten Commandments into two different kinds of categories. You can separate them into vertical commandments, that's commandments between you and God, and horizontal commandments, that's between you and your friends and your family and your peers. The loving God is commandments one through four. Uh, Loving others is commandments five through ten. 
Think about it. No other gods before me. That's him. No other graven images. Don't use his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day. That's all keeping my relationship right with him. And then honor your father and mother. That's horizontal. Don't kill. I don't need to kill Justin or Jared just because I think I want to be cooler than them, right? Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. No false witness. Not coveting. That's all crimes against my brother or my sister. That's not showing my love, obviously, to him, but then showing it to them as well. So in our passages today, Jesus is answering that, that, that scribe. And this is someone that should have known, that would have known the writings of the Old Testament and the teachings. Jesus is referring to the passage in Deuteronomy 6, and 4, or 6, 4, and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Very good. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Jesus is reaching back to the Old Testament to answer these people when they're asking, what's, what's the purpose of our life? What should we do? What's the greatest commandment? What should we be fulfilling first? Oh, wise teacher Jesus. They're trying to back him into a corner and say, well, you're doing all these great things, but what's the most important thing? He says, the most important things, you know, I'm one and you love me. And then you go love everybody else and you share the truth of that. So let's look at those four things just very quickly. We'll, we'll go through each one just to show us how should we as hyphen and as young adults, how should we be loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Most of you obviously are aware at this point in your life, you've been through enough schooling, you've, you've heard enough of, of parents and life to know that your heart is a vital organ physically to your body. It is one of the main sources of life. Without blood pumping through our body, you can't function. Everything depends on our heart. In the church, we refer to our heart as our spiritual house or home. Come into my heart. We sing that as a, as a Sunday school kids, right? Come into my heart. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in to stay. Come in to stay. Come into my heart. Lord Jesus. Everything that happens seems to be happening in our heart. We sing about our hearts. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Right? We're singing that. He fills our hearts. So what does the Bible say about our heart and how important it is? In Genesis 6 and 5, the people of Noah's day had evil hearts. In Exodus 7, Pharaoh had his heart hardened several times. By the Lord. Judges 16, Samson told Delilah all that was in his heart. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, David's heart smote him. 1 Kings 11, Solomon's heart was turned. In 1 Samuel 16, God looks on the heart to, to, to choose David over his brothers who were bigger in stature, but God was looking on the heart. Psalm 34, God is near those with a broken heart. Psalm 37, the law of God is in the heart. Our heart, if you don't get it, is the center of our activity. It's either hardened or it's softened or it's close to God or it's broken. It is the life flow of who we are. And we need to be sincere in our heart. We've often had, many of us, our hearts broken by people or events because our hearts are our symbols of our emotion and it, re it represents often love and care. We, we're, not too few, uh, we're not too many weeks removed from Valentine's Day. And what's the symbol there? A heart. We cry when our hearts are full. We shout when our heart is full. We are desperate when it's empty and looking for something or someone to fulfill that. So when, I ask you, is the last time that you cried out from the bottom of your heart? 
Not just because you were worried that the preachers were going to come ask you if you were okay or not because you weren't lifting your hands high enough or plugged in enough. But when's the last time you really searched your heart and said, I'm going to serve God with all my heart, all my passion. Even if I'm not an outgoing person, I'm still going to be all out for the Lord. I'm going to cry out to Him in worship. I'm going to cry out to Him at the altar. Serving Him with all your heart is giving Him your everything. Amen. Most of us are really good at emotionally serving him with our heart. But just be careful. Just be cautious to don't get too rigid or calloused or too used to Pentecost that you don't serve him from your heart and you're just serving him going through the motion. Because I believe God's plan for your life includes you serving him with all your heart, with all your love, and with all your emotion at the center of who you are. God's plan for your life includes serving him with all your heart. Serving Serving God, the second one, with your soul is very close to serving Him with your heart. In fact, in some passages, it doesn't even say soul. It might just say heart, mind, strength, or it says heart, soul, mind. And so the meaning here of, uh, of what I'm pulling out of this is the meaning of soul is, is the breath or the air of life. If we have no breath or, or, or air in our body, you're not going to last very long. Just like if you didn't have your heart. Damage happens to vital organs and you can be brain damaged in severe ways when you lose oxygen for too long. There are things that get damaged in your walk with God when you lose the Spirit of God for an extended period of time. I hope it's not been too long that you haven't spoken tongues and that you have been refilled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You need to let that flow. That is God's will for a hyphen, that you be a tongue talker, that you be seeking after the Spirit of the Lord, that you are not ashamed to lift those hands. It's not just something you did when you were in senior high camp. It's not just something that you go to youth convention to watch the young people do. But a hyphen needs to be somebody that's full of the Spirit and moved by the Spirit still. I hope you haven't become too smart at your school. I hope you haven't become too smart in your college education that you think that's just foolishness. If that's happened, I hope you get to the altar tonight and say, God, forgive me. Thank you for sending this preacher to me tonight to remind me that I've got to serve you. It's your will for me to serve you with all my soul too, God. Amen. We're really good, though. We're really good at serving him with our soul because we really do. We really do like speaking in tongues. There's just something about that. You know, there's just something about the Holy Ghost flowing through you, isn't there? And especially, it's especially wonderful when you're praying with somebody and it just like kind of comes out of nowhere and just like, bam, and it just starts happening. You know, it kind of gets all over me sometimes when people joke about it and tease about it. That's, that's not something we should joke and tease about, obviously, right? But it happened just the other night at that youth week. I was praying with somebody and it was just like, whoom, and it just hit me and I was like, whoo, man, that was awesome. You know, it was like, why wasn't I expecting that? It was just like, sometimes you know you can kind of feel it, right? You feel it coming on, and you're just ready, and you're like, all right, here we go, here we go. The Spirit of the Lord's moving. He's about to take over my tongue. I'm excited. Hallelujah. And then other times, it's just like, it's just like a wind of Pentecost, and it just blows through. I hope that you're open to that. I hope that tomorrow, tonight that could happen. Tomorrow that could happen. Anytime you're in your room, in your car, listening to something, you're just experiencing the presence of the Lord. But we got to make sure that we don't get too callous, but that we are, that we are ready to serve Him with our soul. I, I, I believe that we can all agree that it is God's plan, and it is necessary to our salvation. It is in His will and in His purpose that we serve Him with all of our soul, our spirit, the breath of who we are. Thirdly is our mind. 
Serving God with our thoughts and our understanding can be very difficult at times because we don't think like Him. We try to see people the way God sees Him. We try to see our life the way He sees us. We try to see our checkbook the way He sees it. We try to see our time and our energy and our resources the way He sees it. But sometimes we are just so limited especially us list makers and us organizers, as we say, we got so much to do. How can God be big enough to do all these things I've got to do? How can God make all these plans? How does he really have a spouse in the future for me? How does he really have that education that I feel I've got to get so that I can be a blessing to his kingdom? How is he going to get me through Purpose Institute? How is he going to get me through Bible college? How am I going to go on that mission trip? God, I don't know how to serve you with my mind. It seems impossible. But we look at his word again, and it says, God will keep, in Isaiah 26, God will keep those in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on all their problems. No. Whose mind is stayed on him. So can we just take our minds for just a moment and let's not think about all the impossibilities, but let's think about all the possibilities that we can do when we link ourselves up to the Lord and our mind is stayed on Him. Nothing is going to move it. No trouble too strong. No medical condition is too strong to get me from stopping to have my mind stayed on the Lord. Somebody say amen. Amen. Romans 8, 6 and 7 tells us how powerful the mind is. For to be carnally minded is death. If you're carnal here tonight, you're on a path of death. And that's not me being ugly or hateful. That's just me as a preacher wanting to sound a warning. That if you're looking at things or listening to things or involved with people we ought not be, you've got a carnal mind. And that's going to lead you to a path of death spiritually and could even lead to a physical death. And so this preacher in truth and love wants to shake you and wake you up a little bit. We might all look perfect and pretty, but there might be some things in our heart that the person next to you does not know. And if your mind is carnally minded it's going to be death but the hope is the answer is this to be spiritually minded is life and peace in the lord and i'm thankful for that amen that if i can get my mind spiritual and on the things of the lord i can have a peace and a brand new life amen 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 first corinthians 2 asks us this about the mind who has known the mind of the lord ephesians 4 be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Philippians 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 1, he has not given us the spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. When's the last time you put your mind at ease in the presence of the Lord and you served him with your mind, your brain, that thing that's between your two ears that my 12-year-old isn't using very often right now? Teasing Noah. I'm teasing him tonight. Lately, I asked him today, I said, are you using that thing in there? I'm picking on him. He knows I love him. (laughs) Brother Gene knows it anyhow. (laughs) That's right. When's the last time you, you thought through the lens of the Lord and through the spirit of the Lord about your decisions in your life? Do you weigh your decisions and your thoughts and your relationship with him? Or are you just like just flying every which way? Or have you stopped and said, God, I want to serve you with my mind and I want to make the right choices and the right decisions. I'm going to stop long enough to listen to what you want to tell me and to show me in your word and to use a pastor and ministry people in my life that I'm going to serve you with my mind. And I'm going to, I'm going to uh, apply what you are teaching me and what you're showing me 
in your word on where I ought to go to school and what I ought to do with my life and who's the right kind of spouse that I ought to be having and what I ought to do with my finance, how much offering and how much tithe and how much missions I support, should support. He's going to give you direction. This gives you direction. This and this is going to give you some direction on what you ought to do. And I think if you're not living God with your mind, then you aren't fulfilling his will for your life because it is, your, it, it is his will that you serve him with your mind. I've watched too many young people that they serve him with their heart and their soul and their passion, but sometimes it seems like they have no common sense in a walk with the Lord. And they just go this way or that way. So how does this look for a young adult? Just some quick questions for you to think about and to pray about at this altar call in just a few moments. Is who are you dating? How does your job affect your walk with God? Have you thought about that lately? Or are you just caring about how much is getting deposited? What extra activities or hobbies are hindering you from your destiny? You've got so much of this that you've got to pay for, and then when the missionary comes and you want to put money in the plate, oh, but I can't because I got the new, and I'm not, I don't even want to call a car name out, but I got the new whatever car that's more expensive, or I got the new whatever phone, or I've got the new whatever this, these hobbies and these extras because I'm thinking that's what I ought to be doing when you've not stopped long enough to think if I can just live modestly, then I can apply that deposit God's given me more into his kingdom. And this isn't a sermon about money, but... That's one thing we hold on to tightly. Our extra activities, our hobbies, our time, our energy. If something is keeping you from your relationship with God, then it's not God's will or plan for you to continue with that something. If someone is keeping you from your relationship with God, then it's not God's will for that person to be in your life. It's just that simple. And I'm saddened sometimes by, by social media. And this is, I, I hope you don't think, take this as a rant. I'm not trying to rant or be mad. Just an observation as a youth worker. Is it is, it's very sad sometimes to see some of the things that our generation will put on social media. I believe it's not God's will for you to promote or to peruse or to participate in the things of this world in your mind, whether through movies and, and Hollywood, and you're pushing this out on social media and you're ret- people are retweeting things and they're not even reading what it says in the headlines. They're sharing things on Facebook and I scratch my head. I see it come across my timeline and I'm like shocked. I'm like, where's this coming from? I don't follow this. And then I see so-and-so shared this, so-and-so liked this, and it breaks my heart. So I don't know you all very much except the names of Jared and Justin, right? But I know that we live in life, and if you've got one of these, stuff comes across it. So if you've got to delete some things, delete those things. Get those things out of your mind. Get those things, because it's affecting what you're thinking and what you're supporting. It's, it's not God's will for this to get you off track. Finally, serve him with your strength. Thankfully, this is not referring to muscles because I would suffer a terrible defeat in this area. Even though I still took my boys out in the pool today, I was dunking them and man, we were just having a good old time. It's, 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 talking, about your, it's talking about your ability and that force in your life, the physical aspect of serving God. So for example, when's the last time that you sacrificed your time and your energy, something physically that hurt, right? This should be, this should be something that you're giving out. When's the la- this, this, this is something that should already be happening. But when's the last time you, 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 you sacrificed some of your sleep 
and got up a little bit earlier to pray for the revival that's coming up in your church or to pray for the guest speaker that's coming or pray for the outreach activity or this service tonight if you woke up a little bit early or stayed up late one night to, to be able to spend time with him. That's giving of your strength. I know there are times you're tired and you're looking, for, you're looking for some caffeine and you're looking for a Red Bull or a Starbucks and you're just like, I don't know if I can make it. But there are other times when you're strong and you're like, wham, why do I feel so good? I think it's because God is preparing you to give back some of that strength to him. And so I'm sure that in this group, I saw many of you obviously being used here, but some of you are probably used in many other areas of this church and other churches as well. I, I, I want to make a call to service tonight. And then I want to ask you, who in this room is the next to fill the traditional as well as non-traditional ministries in your church? We need people who know how to work with money. We need good church secretaries. We need people who can apply their accounting degree to help their district or to help your, to help your section. We need you. The church needs you to step up with your talents and your abilities. And can I just tell you this? Can I just tell you this? That from the perspective of of whatever national leadership, whatever, whatever voice I have in that now, can I tell you, we're looking for ways to get people involved in every area. I believe so are pastors. I believe presbyters. I believe superintendents are looking for a way to get your generation involved. So please don't think, well, we got to wait till brother so-and-so gets out of that position, or we got to wait until all the old people pass away. And I say that as respectfully as I can, okay? Don't take that the wrong way. But we, we, we need each other. We need this generation. We don't want to lose the hyphen generation. So please give of your strength. Please give of your time. Find ways that you can give of your ability. There's something really exciting going on at Youth Congress. I don't know. I can't really tell you all about it yet. But there's some, And we're using this guy who he's not necessarily a get-behind-the-podium preacher, but he's got, like, the personality skills and the connection and the ability to do great things. Went to Harvard, uh, was actually, like, the Harvard student body president. Philip Harding is his name. He's helping us with this incredible project that if you get to go to Youth Congress or you keep up with the news of Youth Congress coming up soon, this is something incredible. He's not going to get up and preach, but this ministry that he is starting could, it has the potential to help the United Pentecostal Church move incredibly forward with some projects and with raising money for missions that wasn't on my radar ever until I was able to get into this spot. And so we're, we're, we're looking for ways to get entrepreneurs and to get people involved in the United Pentecostal Church and to get them involved in the apostolic church and what God is doing. That's serving him with your strength. Don't hog your talents for yourself just to fill your bank account or just to put plaques on your wall. God gave you that brain. God gave you that desire to be, to be a nurse or to be an accountant so that he could use that. We need more camp nurses. If you want to go volunteer at Oklahoma, I think they need some. I was always the struggle. I'm glad I don't have to plan camp this year. All right? And so if you've got talents, find ways to, to give them. And I get all stirred up when I talk about that. So... I would say this, it's time for us to get off our couches, it's time for us to get off of our selfish time, and it's time for you to get off our phone long enough and our relationships long enough to study, to paint, to write, to sing, to reach, to teach, to love, to care, to help, to clean, to serve, to support the work of God. We need this generation. It's the will of God for you to serve Him with all of your strength. And the Bible says that, that's not just my opinion or my soapbox. And I think that one goes right along with what Jesus said was the second thing that's the will of God for our life, is that is for us to love our neighbor as ourself. Because when you love God with all your heart, 
and you are led by the Spirit, and you're loving Him with all your soul. And then you're loving Him with your mind, and you're thinking about His ways, and you're plugged into Him. And then you decide, well, now I've got to get the rest of me involved, and so I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to move boxes, I'm going to put up chairs, I'm going to help with the dinner, I'm going to get involved in Sunday school, I'm going to get involved in Bible quizzing. Whatever I can get involved in, I'm going to serve. And you know what happens? You're going to start rubbing shoulders with sinners, and you're going to start rubbing people, uh, rubbing shoulders with people in the neighborhood. You're going to find yourself in situations where people are lost, and they don't know the gospel. Or you're going to start dealing with people whose hearts are broken within the church, or people who are discouraged and depressed. And because you're serving and living and moving, and you've got a vibrant walk with God, right there, you're going to find yourself in the will of God. I don't think he's going to tell you tonight very specifically X, Y, Z, this college, this person you'll marry, and in five years you'll be here. Those kind of things don't really happen. He just starts with getting you in the right direction. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. So I ask you, how does this look in your life? How do you live this out? And I've already kind of talked about it. What decisions, what, what, what do you have to do to make this come alive? I would say this, is that if you're going to college, have you considered starting a campus ministry international chap, uh, chapter at your college campus? This could, be, this could be some of you, perhaps maybe you were a Bible quizzer or you know some in quizzing. And maybe you could volunteer your time to go sit in on a practice and let people quote to you. Man, that sounds boring, Brother Ranky. What are you talking about? But you don't know what that's going to mean to that quiz coach. You don't know what that's going to mean. You don't know what kind of connection that's going to be to that young kid who sees you as a hyphen. They see you as their hero. Some of you, they do. And so when you are, when you are volunteering and serving and being an encouragement, that is, living, that is living for others, serving them, loving them, and as well as giving your time and energy to him. You might say, well, I, I'm not outgoing. I'm, I, I. But you know, you know what is incredible, an, an incredible ministry that you could do is that if some of you are quiet, shy, you're never going to get up here, you don't really, quizzing's not your thing. What if you were the person that went and bought those 50 thank you cards that were on sale at Hobby Lobby or whatever, and you decided that you're going to be the person in your church that writes everybody the birthday card, and you're going to be the one that writes, writes uh, you know, the missionary kids, and you're going to be a, 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 an encouragement card ministry. And you're thinking, what are you talking about? You're like an old fogey, man. You don't, how many's ever gotten a handwritten note and it means something special, right? Than just an email and a text. You could be the one in your church that encourages an elder that nobody's talked to them in a long time. And you could just say, I appreciate you, sister so-and-so. You've been a staple in our church. Your foundation, I appreciate you. Love you, brother, so, you know, sign your name and send that off. You don't know what that could mean to her. You don't know what could, that could mean to that elder, that church board member. You have no idea to a young person what that could mean to your pastoral staff, how they could encourage them, especially when you put money in it, give cards. That's right. See, I'm trying to get some more amens from Brother Gene and just to get y'all to laugh a little bit. I, it could be giving your best when you're at choir practice instead of being distracted, learning how to love others. Is it, I, I've got a mission when I'm here at church. I need to give all my time, all my energy, all my resources. I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but just let me talk to you about a few things here. Are you feeling called to ministry? Then I need to ask you a few things, and obviously... You need to talk with your pastor, whether it's Brother Gene or others. Ask yourself this. Are you faithfully praying for your pastor and your ministry team? Are you submitted to them? Do they have veto power in your life? Are you faithfully giving of your tithes, your offerings? Are you faithful? This is how you love God first and you love others. As you ask yourself, how do I fulfill that plan to love other people and to go out into ministry? Do you feel a call to missions, whether globally or North American? Let me ask you, are you praying for your local North American missionary that's around you or a global missionary? 
Do you get your global mission cards that you can order from Global Missions where they give you every missionary with their picture? MK Ministries has the pictures of the MK kids. My boys used to have them, and we'd pray over those MK kid cards. You think you have a call to mission? You're not going to Tanzania tomorrow unless today you start praying for that missionary who's in Tanzania. Have you got the finances? Consider giving, partner, giving to Faith Promise within your church or Partners in Missions. Have you ever considered an AYC trip or a... Uh, next steps, if you've already been on an AYC trip. Some way, you've got to start somewhere, yes. I don't want to say with small steps, because that makes it sound like those are insignificant, but you just got to start somewhere. It's like when I come home sometimes, and, uh, and I've used this illustration before, my wife hasn't uh, slapped me upside the head yet, but sometimes I come home, and there's, co- there's dinner on the stove, and there's food, uh, there's, there's laundry that needs to be done, and then the kids are needing help with homework, and the yard needs to be mowed, and the, that this needs to be swept, that needs to be cleaned, not because she's not doing a good job, but because, bam, sometimes it all happens at once. And it seems so overwhelming. It seems very overwhelming for you, for us as a church. What do I do first? What do we tear down? What do we clean up? What do we do first? How, which way do I need to go? Which, which field needs the most prayer? Which one need? And you're just overwhelmed. You just got to say, God, where do I start first? And so that's what I tried to come here tonight and talk to you in this setting. And so let's, let's draw a little bit from this last story. This last story that I was kind of getting, getting to just, just a moment ago. I don't know if it would be a custom for you to come, make, uh, come play some music. That would be fine with me. Just some soft music in the background before we, before we open this area for us to come pray together. But the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. In Acts chapter, 26, or Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 31. Reads this way. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying... Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Okay? He tells him, go toward the south. That's a broad direction. That's what God's doing tonight for you. He's saying, come love me, go love others. Unless he's already given you more specific instructions. But if you're like thinking, I am overwhelmed as a hyphen, I have no idea what God's will is for my life, can I tell you tonight, he's just saying, Start going south. Start going towards loving me more and, and, and giving more of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Start loving others more, as Brother Rankings been talking about. Start doing what he was talking about, and that's going to get you in the direction of south. There was, like I said, there was three different ways that I could get from O'Fallon to here, to our hotel. I just needed to go east. Somehow, go east. Sometimes I was going a little northeast. Sometimes I was going a little southeast. Sometimes I was going north, but then I turned back east. You just got to start going toward the south. So Philip, he does that. He starts going toward the south. That's an important part in verse 27. And he arose and went. When God tells you, get with it, then get with it. Arise and go. When he tells you, come on, step up your game in your spiritual life. Step up what he's preaching about tonight. You've got to arise and go. And then behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch under great authority of Candace, the queen of Ethiopians, who had been in charge of all her treasure, he had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning to Ethiopia and was sitting in his chariot reading from Isaiah the prophet. So here he is over here, and you've got Philip. All the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip was go south. But guess what? God had an Ethiopian eunuch who'd been in Jerusalem and had the scroll of the scriptures and was reading who needed somebody to talk to him. So then it says in verse 29, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join yourself to that 
chariot. It gets more specific. When you obey that first broad call, God can trust you with giving you more specifics in your life. Then verse 30, And then Philip ran thither to him and heard him reading from the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? Verse 31, And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And then he desired Philip that he would come up in his chariot and sit with him. Philip was told, Go towards the south. Then the spirit says, go talk to that Ethiopian eunuch. He gets by the Ethiopian eunuch. He says, what are you doing? And then finally that Ethiopian eunuch says, I need you to talk to me. There very well could be, there very well could be some faces of missionary, uh, uh, of missionaries that you've been seeing in your dreams and in your mind. There very well could be some faces of kids on a foreign field that maybe you've seen that, but maybe not. Maybe you just feel a burden for missions but you've never prayed for a missionary, you've never given to missions. God's telling you, start going toward the south and give. And then if it happens to be that he's going to call you, maybe he'll say, well, I want you to go to this area. Or I don't know what to do with my college, God. I know I kind of feel this direction and I think that could bless the church. Just start going toward the south in your life, whatever direction. And I don't, I don't mean I'm calling you to a college in the south, right? I'm not talking about a real direction. I just mean scripturally here. The concept of going in a broad direction. And then it gets closer and clearer and clearer. Can I tell you that I was 15 years old and I was just loving God and serving at an Indiana campground, uh, working at a youth camp. And I was sitting in the back on the left-hand side and they, uh, the preacher that night, it was on a Thursday night, and he called an old-fashioned prayer line. And so he asked for all the dorm counselors and all the workers and all the preachers and pastors that were there that night. And of course, they did the Pentecostal thing, you know, and they made the one on each side and all the campers got on that far wall, that old tabernacle in Indiana and Fortville. And so I'm sitting back over there and he says, is there anybody else that's a worker? We need as many people in God's workforce. We need you down here. And I was like fighting it. Like, I didn't, I didn't know. I was like, I'm not really called. I was just here loving God. I was just walking toward the south. My hands were clenched on the back of one of those pews back there on that side. And finally, I came, I, I just, I, I got to that point where I knew I'd been in church long enough that that's stirring inside of me. I'm like, if I ignore that, I could be lost. This could really harm me if I don't listen to this. I just had that, you, you know, you get that feeling when you've been in church long enough. And so I came down and I responded to it. And when I got down there and I looked down this way, down that prayer line, and I can tell you two names of two kids' faces that were my brothers, some of my brother, my younger brother's best friends, Ryan and Kyle. I saw their face as they came through, just tears flowing down their face, hands lifted in the air. And God told me, he said, I'm calling you into youth ministry. So I obeyed him by serving at camp, just, just loving him with heart, soul, mind, and strength. I answered that initial call. I came down, and then it got specific. Well, you know what? Well, at that point, what do I do? I mean, do I go, like, put my application in for Calvary Tabernacle to be youth pastor, kick Brent Brosom out? No, I didn't do that. I told Brother Brosom and others, I feel called to ministry. So he let me preach sermonettes, and some of them were pretty bad. And, uh... He let me lead service and lead songs and, and different things. And then I thought, well, I guess I ought to keep going towards the south. And God told me, I want you to go to IBC. Well, that kind of made sense. I grew up in Indianapolis. And so, okay, I can do that. And he said, I want you committed for four years because I want you to be trained there. And I want you to get all the knowledge you can. And then I'll tell you where to go next. So then after that, there was a few options. And God, every step of the way, getting more and more specific, getting more and more 
specific. God won't always tell you from the very beginning the exact thing, but he can give you something broad like youth ministry, and I don't feel called to anything else yet. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Would you stand with me? You, uh, you have many questions, I'm sure, in your mind. If we, could, if we could put you literally in that chair and quiz you and really try and figure out what God's will was for your life. We, we, we might could help you figure out what it was based on what you're passionate about. If you love kids or, you know, maybe you should go work at Two Pool Children's Mansion. Or, or we could say, well, I love missions. Well, you need to go on an AYC trip. We, we, we could try to find the answer, but he's the one that really knows the answer. And when we're loving him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving others more than ourselves, can I tell you when you're on that road on the way to this, on the, uh, towards the south, he'll give you more specific instructions. Okay, go ahead this direction now. Go ahead, that college is now going to bless you. And then before you know it, you're going to turn around and look next to you and you're going to find your husband and you're going to find your wife because you're working together in God's kingdom. And you're going to say, well, there, she's right there. He's right here. And I didn't have to worry about it. That happened with us. I was on my way. I was in, I was in Oklahoma uh, with, with Brother Godwin, just trying to figure out ministry, going with him. And guess who I found? Kimberly. And we went to Bible college together and got married in between our, our, our sophomore and junior year. Just because I was willing, and this isn't a sermon about me, but this is just to let you know, just a, a testimony. To say, if you do it, I can, I can say I'm a testimony that if you just trust God, He will tell you and give you more specific instruction. Would you come to the front? Would you lift your hands? Let's respond to the Lord. Let, let's just come pray.